Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. To the Beast of the East, hosted by Corey Burton, myself, and Craig Ladd, we bring you all of the action from the from the Eastern Division. Hello, folks! Welcome in. It is the Beast of the East podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Also coming to you live from Willis Digital Media. I'm your host, Corey Burton, uh, as you can see from the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast as well, um, and uh, my other show here on Willis Digital Media, SEC After Dark. My Twitter handle is right above me. Uh, joining me, as always, my co-host, Craig Ladd. You can see his Twitter handle right above him, at Ladd. Craig, how are you doing on this Monday? I'm doing well, Corey. Uh, very excited that every week we're getting closer and closer to not only uh, high school football, but college football. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, man, it can't get here fast enough, man, because, uh, you know, September 4th is the opener for uh, for a lot of people, actually for everybody. Uh, Georgia opens up with Clemson, so obviously I'm excited about that, as you could tell from directly behind me. Um, but it's going to be a fun season, I think, you know, with this – with the SEC, it's always going to be a crazy season. But uh, we are Beast of the East, and we are live here on a Monday night. Um, thank you uh, to Willis Digital Media, home of the Palmcast, home of SEC After Dark, home of Best of the West, uh, amongst many other shows that uh, if you listen to the Palmcast, you know or follow the Positively Ole Miss on uh, social media. You would know the schedule. Uh, but we're kicking things off here uh, on the BCD. So we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, but of course, we are brought to you by Bet Online. We are presented by betonline.ag. Uh, July, the NBA Finals is probably going to come to a close. Uh, so I don't know if I'm going to try to try to get in on that action or not. But there's there's always odds on just about everything. The Olympics is coming up. That'll be some interesting uh, props and odds and things like that that you can bet on. So I'm looking forward to seeing what that looks like on Bet Online. Of course, there's always the online casino as well. Um, I'm loving it. Uh, they have all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. So, Craig, visit the website today. We're using mobile device to join. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before that next tip-off, face-off, or pitch, head over to Bet Online and start playing today. That's Bet Online. Your online sports book, sports book experts. Blah, blah, I can't talk today. Um, so we got a great show lined up for you. Uh, as you can see on the bottom ticker, we're going to be talking about some coaches. So we're going to kick it old school uh, with our former show coaching chatter. Uh, so we're going to talk about some coaches. We're going to talk about some that may be on the hot seat, which is probably not very many in the Eastern Division. Uh, because of the second topic, there is a lot of new coaches uh, coming in, so uh, we will we will discuss them, break them down, and 
uh, talk about what expectations are for them. And then we're going to do a preseason all East team. We're going to just talk about some standout players uh, within the Eastern division guys that we think that can come in and make a difference uh, on both sides of the ball. We probably won't give you a full team, uh, but we'll give you some standouts that, that we really like and that we can really talk about uh, with that. So um, Craig, Coaches on the hot seat. Um, you know, if you ask any Georgia fan, Kirby Smart's on the hot seat. I don't buy it. What do you think? I don't either. Uh, I, I think, you know, he's not that far away from uh, having been, uh, well, 2017. They were in a national championship game. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm, I, don't, I'm, I don't subscribe to that, uh, that he's on the hot seat. Now, they lay an egg this year. Let's say they, they go 500. <clears throat> And there's going to be some, definitely be some rumbling there. Uh, there's no doubt. There will be. And, I, yes. and it's sort of, it'll be the sort of the same sort of thing with Mark Rick. You know, he never could. He had some really good years with them. They were very good under him, but he never could take them to that next step. Right. And I think you'll put, you know, it, let's say, you know, Kirby, let's say they finished second to Florida in these, and the fact that they're a prohibited favorite to win these, say that. They finish second. Then I think you hear some rumblings. Right now, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. And I think it's kind of ridiculous. I mean, if you, uh, we did a Kentucky preview with Vinny Hardy on the Georgia Dog Show uh, last week, Israel and I, and and I just think it's ridiculous that for him to be on the hot seat, I think it would take something drastic like going 500 or, or even missing a bowl game for that matter uh, to be able to say or talk about this hot seat nonsense. So, um, you know, look at the other two coaches. I mean, I, I think Dan Mullen's in an interesting spot here because, you know, uh, I know his defensive coordinator's seat is red hot, um, but Mullen, I, I think, part of me thinks he's really safe and it doesn't matter what kind of year he has unless he goes out and goes like two and 10 for some reason. Um, but you know, I, I think with, with their schedule, with the schedule that, that's laid out the way it's laid out for them, they could potentially lose for the last six games, not a great way to end the season, uh, especially if one of those losses comes at the hands of Florida state, who is, um, I never thought I'd say that they're rebuilding. This is probably the worst FSU has been since like the mid seventies, but, um, you know, I, I think when you're looking at hot seat, I, I have to think that Dan Mullen, you know, Florida fans are kind of growing tired of his antics. I think, um, you know, I'm not really tapped into the Florida community uh, that well. Uh, maybe if you're following us, uh, you, you can let me know and set me straight. But um, I, I think that if Dan Mullen has a season like an eight and four, Craig, he may be on the hot seat. He may be looking to get out anyway. What do you think on what do you think on Dan Mullen? Well, you know, Corey, when uh, we talked earlier and uh, one of the sub you told him we were going to do the coaches on the hot seat, uh, he, he was the one I came up. He was the man for me. Uh, I think he's more on the hot seat than any other coach mm-hmm. in the East. Now, you got, you know, three brand new coaches in there. They're, they're not going to be in the hot seat yet unless something – um, they go over unless something non-football related. Right, happens, like uh, that's exactly right. Off the field, something happens there. They're they're not going anywhere. Um, Stoops, I think is is fine. Uh, you know, he he's done a very good job at Kentucky, and then Drinkwitz. I mean, this is the second year, and I thought they I thought he did a really good job last year. Mm-hmm. So 
that gets me to Kirby and Mullen. And I, you know, I'm taking, I'm thinking Mullen uh, more than anybody. You know, they were eight and four last year. And the fact disastrous that they, finish. Exactly. Uh, and like I said, it, uh, the last thing you remember is, and, and I understand they had a lot of players that opted out and didn't play, but still, just you getting just pummeled by Oklahoma, uh, that that leaves a sour taste in a lot of Gators fans' uh, mouths. And so, I, I think he's the he's the guy. He's on the hot seat. Yeah, I, I I mean, you know, obviously I agree with you. I think it's you know they've got to do something because it's not a great it's not a great deal to get. I mean, nobody ever gets seal clubbed. Uh, in a bowl game by Oklahoma, Oklahoma is usually one that's getting blown out in a bowl game because for for whatever reason they don't they get blown out. That's just how they roll in Oklahoma. But um, yeah, I think Dan Mullen's got too much talent down there in Florida to underachieve. I mean, you go eight and four with that bunch. That's quite that that's an, that's an accomplishment um, to, to finish out the season the way they finished. I mean, losing to Bama that was a historically good Bama team, so I don't hold that one against him, but. The embarrassing fashion in which you lose to LSU with the shoe, um, shoe gate, and then the embarrassing fashion in which you lose to Oklahoma. It doesn't sit well with me. Um, you know, those two games alone would say, okay, what's this guy doing? And the fact that he gave hints that he wanted, that he really wanted the New York Jets job, maybe he's not all bought in. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but. You know, I think it's interesting. I mean, I think more of this hot seat talk might be for coaches in the West. Like, you know, maybe tomorrow night when you're when you're listening to Best of the West, maybe they'll talk about Jimbo or, uh, you know, some of those Western guys that might be on the hot seat. You know, is Nick Saban on the hot seat? You know, no, I'm just kidding. He's definitely <laughs> not on the hot seat. But, um, but yeah, I, I think you, you just got to look at it like, you know, all the guys are new. So let, let's jump right into these new guys, and and we can start with sophomore incumbent uh Eli Drinkwitz because I, I think his I think his first season was I mean about as about as difficult as you can get. You know, him and Sam Pittman and some and Lane Kiffin, some of the new guys that came in, you know, come into a 10 game all SEC schedule. I, I think you just gotta wipe that from from the from the record and just say, okay, this is this is a fresh start for you playing an actual schedule with an actual off season cycle. So I'm gonna put I'm gonna put Drinkwitz as kind of like a rookie plus, right? Um, because, you know, I, it's hard to judge him from last year, but he did really well. So, you know, I, I'll give him credit. He did, re- did really well considering all the circumstances you kick off the, you kick off the year with Bama as your first game in the sec as a head coach. That's not easy, but I think Drinkwitz has a lot, uh, a lot of stuff in his favor. I, I think he's got a defense that can only go up. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking, you know, second, third in the East, he's pushing Georgia for that Eastern division title. I mean, I think that's where I think that's the expectation for Drinkwitz. What do you think? Well, you know, I, I like I said, I, I agree with you. I thought considering uh, he did a really good job, I, I liked him anyway uh, mm-hmm. with what all he did at uh, Happy State. You know, um, I thought that was a terrific hire. Um, he's going to have to recruit better um, in order to get some players. Uh, I don't think. He is anywhere near, um, I, I guess, talent-wise, a uh, a Florida and a Georgia. And to be quite honest, I don't think he's – you know, if, if Tennessee is 
his backup where they're supposed to be. They don't have the cloud over them. Let's say they have a pretty decent season. You know, Heupel's going to be able to recruit really well, so you're going to fall back behind them also. Uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, and let's face it, you know, uh, uh, the South Carolina area, uh, they they get into Georgia. They you know they have they produce some very good talent mm-hmm. uh, in that area. And then uh, you know uh, Stoops has proven he's gone into Ohio and really he's plucked some really good players. And so and he's got a couple of kids here from Middle Tennessee that's committed to him in the uh, this this coming uh, fall and uh, not this coming fall but the next fall mm-hmm. so uh, he's done a really good job of recruiting there also so I think he's got to step it up a little bit uh, Missouri's not known as a fertile uh, recruiting mm-hmm. ground and no. let's face it uh, it's pretty tough all the states around that's pretty tough going uh, yeah. for him to out recruit those other other schools around him. Yeah, because I mean, you dip into Texas. I mean, everybody and their brother is in Texas trying to recruit, and and within the conference, you know, you got LSU sitting right there, Arkansas. You got the two Mississippi schools. You got A and M right there in, in in the state of Texas. You got, you know, all, all the all the schools. Either you know they they go to Georgia, they go to Florida, they go to Texas, um, and and they dip into uh, the Carolinas as well to get all the talent. So Missouri's going to have to find a way to to figure out, hey, can we go to the Midwest and re- and, and steal some big 10 kids away and, and maybe, you know, cause skill guys are skill guys. Fast guys are fast guys. It doesn't matter where you are. Uh, they're going to have to figure out a way to do something and, and, and find a niche for themselves because, you know, they're going to get out recruited and then eventually that's going to, you know, eventually that's going to cycle back and like Tennessee recruiting. Well, that's going to, you know, put them back up in that upper echelon. That's why I kind of think that they they've got the biggest trajectory, is for the recruiting purpose. So you're, you're exactly right. He's got to recruit, but he can develop. He knows what it's like to, to, to recruit to a small town. He did it at Appalachian state. Um, he knows he's got himself a quarterback. He's got some marketability there. Um, you know, with this NIL stuff, I, you know, I think that's going to affect recruiting a lot. So you've got the St. Louis market right there uh, that can help you. Uh, you've got a good network of, of boosters and, and businesses that support Mizzou. So I, you know, I think there's a lot of promise there, um, potential promise. You just got to figure out a way to tap into it. You know, you got to figure out a way to get into Southern Illinois. You got to you got to lock down your state, obviously, and get the few guys in your state that's really good. You've got to be able to dip into Oklahoma, uh, the Tulsa area. You know, the big city pockets in Oklahoma are actually really good football. Um, you got to be able to dip into Northern Texas. You've got to be able to steal some guys from from the Deep South and the Carolinas, and then. Of course, go east into the into the Mid American uh, region or whatever they call that Mid Atlantic, I guess. Uh, you know the you know Virginia, Maryland, Delaware area. So you got to be able to like you, you got to just get creative with your recruiting. Um, I, I think he's got the development part down pat. I mean, they they had a really good season. They got better each and every week. So I'm not necessarily worried about that. So I, I think Drinkwitz has, has got a high ceiling. Um. He's just got to realize that he's got a high ceiling, and he's got to just he's got to keep getting better in recruiting. Um, we talked about Tennessee. Um, they they welcome in Josh Heupel. You know, I, I said it on SC After Dark. I said it uh, last week on right here on Beast. I really like his style of play. I really like what he's been able to do at UCF. And, and people are going to be like, "Oh, well, he just he just inherited Scott Frost's players." 
What do you think about that? I mean, how, you know, what are you hearing? I know you're more tapped into Tennessee than I am, but what are you hearing on Josh Heupel? I, I know he, he talked at that coach's clinic. He sounded really like clean, precise, you know, had a really good, clear driven uh, presentation was, was absolutely awesome. Um, so for that, I, I think he's, I think that won him some points with, with the coaches here in this, in the state of Tennessee. I like him. Um, yeah, you you have a hard time convincing me otherwise. No, I agree with you. I, I was I was happy with the hire also. Um, and you know, he's he's not playing with a full deck, uh, Corey. You know, the fact that he came in uh, as late as he did <clears throat> and uh, that that kills you with this senior class uh, mm-hmm. in the state of Tennessee, and it's shown so far uh, with a lot of kids leaving the state. Uh, I have committed to lead the state and, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see um, what the sanctions are going to be. Obviously that hurts also. I mean, every coach in America that's recruiting against Tennessee, that's coming out of their mouths. You know, that's just part of it Uh, because they don't know uh, at this point. And, you know, I'm sure a few people do, but it's not been known uh, exactly yet. You don't know what the penalties are going to be, et cetera, et cetera. But I think considering, uh, I think he's done uh, a pretty good job uh, in the recruiting. You know, they recently got the uh, Miller kid, wide receiver out of Memphis, is a four-star kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, looks uh, looks like uh, they may get uh, uh, offensive lineman Addison Nichols out of uh, Georgia, who's also a four-star guy, a, a good ball player, uh, had Tennessee ties with his family. So, uh, you know, he's going to he's going to take his hits because, like I said, uh, he got into it late, um, and he also you got the specter of of the NCAA violations. What'll be interesting to see is the junior class, the the sophomore and junior classes in the state of Tennessee to see how well he does uh, recruiting those in the next few years. That'll be the telltale sign for him uh, because, you know, obviously they all say it and he said it as you as you know, during his coaches, uh, the little uh, zoom we had uh, and he was speaking, you know, he, he wants to get, you know, he wants to get all the Tennessee talent he can get. And, uh, you know, that's easier said than done. You know, once, uh, uh, once the, the dam breaks and, you know, you've got a lot of kids going out of state uh, that probably normally would probably consider Tennessee more and may have gone to Tennessee, but that's just yeah. the facts of life. And also, I think this is another thing too, Corey, and you know this too, Nashville, Middle Tennessee is – one of the fastest growing areas in the country. And yeah. there are people moving in from all over the place. I heard this, Look I heard out. a crazy stat, like 75 people a day or something like that. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. And, and people like me who grew up as a Tennessee fan, those are few and far between now because there's such an influx of new people and, they may be moving in from California and they have no allegiance to the University of Tennessee. So that's another thing you got to look at too is, is plus Tennessee, let's face it, they, they haven't had much success on the football field. Uh, 
in the last 15 years, to be quite honest. And so, you know, that all leads to the fact that you just don't have that that fan base of younger kids now uh, that that you can rely on and say, okay, you know, when you go into the state of Tennessee, you're already second because you're behind Tennessee. That's not the case anymore. Right. Right. So, yeah, I'm, I'm great. I'm, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what Tennessee's got to do that they've got their work cut out for them. Cause you know, Vandy, I don't think is going to go down with, uh, without a fight. So, um, and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to kind of seeing what they can bring to the table, but I think Josh Heupel is the right guy. You know, I was telling a friend of mine this, I, I think he is the right guy. And I think, um, he's going to be the one I, I think that gets the, the, the corner turned. I don't know if he, I don't know if he makes the turn or if he gets him to the next level, but I do think he's somebody that, uh, that could get him on the cusp and, and maybe set it up for somebody else. No, like I said, I, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people didn't like to hire and, and let's face it. Um, who were you going to hire at that point? Well, though? that's what I was about to say. What what do you have to offer now as far as the program goes? You you knew all these coaches obviously knew that it broke, that they were going to be on, you know, all the, the trouble with Pruitt and while he was let go and NCAA was in the middle of it. You have a you hold a press conference and the president is coming out and you know saying all these things that happened, you know. Who would want the job? To be quite honest with you, Corey. I mean, I, I don't know. They, I mean, you're about to get hit in the face. Yeah. I mean, with, I, mean I, I don't know. I mean, if Tennessee came and asked me, I would take it. But um, I mean, they were about ready to go ask a, a high school uh, MNPS assistant to be their head coach. I mean, that's <laughs> kind of where they were. Um, you know, I, I think I think Kurt Page, or our former co-host, who's now a, a actually a he's not going to be the next Bobby Cox down there in Springwood. Uh, yes. He would, he, he probably would have taken it, but I mean, not many people with the pedigree was going to touch that job. I mean, they, you know, th- there's a reason they probably behind the scenes. I don't even want to know how many times they got denied. First of yeah. all. Well, exactly. And, and let's say you're, you're going after some big guys, let's say, well, why would they leave their job to go to Tennessee? That makes no sense. That's, that's no. career suicides. What that it's is? It's almost like you're jumping out of the fire and into the frying pan. You yeah, know, like- it makes no sense. You know, you're not. You're just not going to get a marquee coach to come to University of Tennessee at this time. It's yes. just not going to happen. Um, you know, and let's face it. Uh, you know, the lack of success on the field. Uh, you know, you can blame coaches, but there's other things involved too. You know. Uh, not in a, you know, uh, series of poor hires at athletic director, you know, it, the, the list goes on and on. Absolutely. So who knows, uh, this Tennessee thing is, <laughs> it's taken so many twists and turns, but the fact that they haven't been able to hire a good coach since Fulmer left is kind of laughable. You know, I, you know, I, I think they thought they were getting that in Butch Jones, maybe, uh, he he had some success in Cincinnati, but there was just something about him. Uh, he just didn't fit. You know, obviously the Dooley experiment wasn't, you know, that was terrible. Lane Kiffin, seven and six, all that promise, but, you know, Lane was very immature at that point. So, you know, just think if this Lane Kiffin would have taken that job, we'd probably be saying something totally, totally different. But he didn't really know 
he didn't really know his rear end from his elbows at that point. So who knows what, what could have been there, but. And, and, and I can't say, you know, a lot of people were upset, obviously, you know, at the fact that he left, but mm-hmm. you're leaving to take your dream job. That's what he said. That is my dream job. I mean, how can you blame him? You can't, you can't, you can't at all. Um, You you just got to say, I mean, that's just how, (laughs) I I hate to be cheesy, but it's kind of how the cookie crumbles, right? Yeah. Um, So who knows, who knows what's going on there. But um, nonetheless, I I think Heupel has the highest ceiling of all the new coaches in the East. I, I think that judging it on this season might be a little tricky. You know, you're looking at uh Beamer, Clark Lee, and Josh Heupel, and did I say Shane Beamer? I did say yes. Shane. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you're looking at those three guys. Those are the new coaches, and, and Drinkwitz is sort of a new coach, not really. Um, he got kind of some battle tested there. So it's going to, you know, that that that's the three-team race that, you know, I, I never thought I would say, you know, I never thought I'd be excited to see how the bottom half of the SEC East shapes out. But – uh, this one's going to be interesting as far as not necessarily this year, obviously, but for the trajectory of the conference or, or of the division within the SEC, that's where it gets interesting because, you know, you have Josh Heupel at Tennessee, which they have all the resources. They have all the tradition. He has, every, he has a lot of things on his side. He's got a quarterback that, that I feel really good about uh, in Harrison Bailey. Um, also Hendon hooker, if he wants that, he, Hooker's got some experience, mobility, things, but I, I really like Harrison Bailey. I, I'm a big fan of Harrison Bailey's. I think he's he got screwed last year <clears throat> by Pruitt. I, I think that he should have been playing a lot more. Garantano's a turnover machine. Um, so that's neither here nor there. Uh, but I, I do think that Heupel does have the quarterback piece. I do think that's important for what he does in his style of play. And I think his style of play will actually – he may not he may not come out ahead in a lot of ball games, but he's gonna be very, very, very tough to beat, even with the limited roster. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, if you're you gotta be exciting. And I think this offense that he's gonna bring is gonna be high powered. They're gonna run up and down the field. Uh, and that's what's gonna have to happen. If you're gonna lose games, at least look good losing. Exactly. Put up the points, uh, show some promise. I mean, I I think it's, you know, you got to put it together for recruiting. You know, you got to put a product out there. And if if kids see an exciting product, there's some kids that might, that might had Tennessee in their top three and said, okay, I want to go to Oklahoma or I want to go to, you know, Memphis. I want to go to Ole Miss. I want to go, you know, they might change their mind because, Hey, I can go here and really, really shine. I really like Harrison or whoever their starting quarterback is. Um, yeah, I really like what they're doing there. I can see myself with an opportunity to come in and, and play really early. Like if I'm Isaiah Horton, I'm looking at this season really close, right? Um, I'm looking at the season really close. I, I think it's not over with him. He could possibly end up at Tennessee if the, if they have the right kind of season. So that's uh, that's that's how I feel on Heupel. I, I think he can finish fifth in the East. I think he can finish above. I think he will finish above uh, South Carolina and Vandy. I know that sounds really harsh, but you know, for where they are and what they were, if I'd have told you, if I'd have told Tennessee fans that Tennessee was going to finish fifth in the East after everything that's happened this year to them, 
you would say, A, I'm crazy, and B, thank you for for having some confidence in us. Um, but, you know, I just think they made the right hire. I, I think that you're going to see that. I think you're going to see that. This guy has charisma. This guy has buy-in. This guy doesn't have a ton of slappies. He just doesn't have a lot of depth. He has some good starters. He just doesn't have a lot of depth at all. His depth is gone. Uh, so well, for I that, think it him to, yeah, it helps him, too, that, that Tennessee yeah. in the East, because if Tennessee was in the West, I'd pick them dead last. Yeah, I would too. I would too. Absolutely. But they're in the East, so they're not going to finish dead last. Um, I think South Carolina is going to finish dead last. um, Interesting. Because you can't waltz in here with Kevin Harris as your only piece, right? I think Vanderbilt's going to be better defensively than than South Carolina. That's going to be the difference for me, right? And, And it may be... Like Vanderbilt, that's the only that's the only game Vanderbilt wins, and South Carolina goes over in the conference. You know, it might be one of those scenarios, right? Like I'm not picking Vanderbilt to you know finish like second in the East or anything. I'm just picking them picking them ahead of South Carolina this year. Uh, that's been a tough hurdle for Vanderbilt, but I, I do think you know with Clark Lee, and we'll get to him more in depth in a second. I, I do think that he can do some things. Uh, and, and find an identity for Vandy and they got Ken seals. I like the quarterback situation at Vandy, but uh, more than I do at South Carolina, I think it's a better fit, but Shane Beamer and, and, you know, he w- he spoke at media days today, actually. Uh, I don't know if you caught any of that. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he's, uh, he was the, he had the worst class in the sec 80th overall recruiting wise. So it's not like he recruited all that well. Um, you know, he, he's, he's been active in the transfer portal, but you know, I, I think that they've got, they have no playmakers. You know, you, you shut down the run game. They have no playmakers and I don't know how you can win without a single playmaker, you know? And I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Talk me out of it, but I, I think that Shane Beamer a lack of experience. I, I think he's going to have a rough year, and then B lack of playmakers. Uh, the the not being able to recruit very well after getting hired. I mean, you got hired pretty quick. I, I think you know somebody's going to finish last, I guess, in the SEC. But you know, to finish below Vandy in recruiting, it's kind of concerning to me. Um, you know, you're already being out recruited by by the team that your that your measuring stick is. Um, so. I don't. I don't really know how to feel on Shane Beamer. I didn't. I wasn't really fired up about the hire. I think maybe eventually he'll be good. He may surprise me. I don't know. But um, they'll play tough. They'll play hard for him. Um, they just don't have any talent. They're they're very like even like a lot of like I think Tennessee has better starters than they do. But Tennessee nor South Carolina has any depth, and South Carolina doesn't have the starters to go with it. Do you? Uh, it sounded like you you disagreed on that. What, what are your thoughts on that? You know, I, I'm going to slightly disagree. I'm going to give I'm going to give South Carolina just a little, just a this much more than Vanderbilt. Um, and and I'm I'm picking Vanderbilt last and South Carolina above them. But I think both those teams are not very good. Um, I just think all the all the all the things that happened during Vanderbilt season with having to cancel games and 
everything that went all involved and everything, uh, you know, I just thought that was probably one of the worst Vanderbilt teams I've seen in probably 30 years. Uh, And I just don't think you recover that quickly from that. I love the hire of Clark Lee. I I think it's a great hire. But you are what you are, and they didn't have any any talent last year. You know, uh, they they had no running game. I like Seals. I I, I think he's – he could possibly be, you know, a good quarterback. Um, But – he has no weapons around him. You talk about that, Corey, and man, he was on yeah. his backside a lot last year. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it was. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know. It's just you know. I, I guess we're like splitting hairs when it comes to to yeah. to, to, like do, said, to doing I mean, that. There's but, not much difference for me. I agree with you. Yeah. I, I just think South Carolina overall that, a little bit better talent, but not by much. And that, and I think it comes down. I think when you're splitting hairs like this, I think it comes down to the quarterback position, which obviously, you know, there's 11 guys out there, but you know, I it's basically Kevin Harris uh, and then Ken Seals. Like I don't know. Like I, I like Ken Seals better, and I, I think that's that's gonna that's gonna make a difference to me. And I, I think that Clark Lee is going to have that defense ready to go. I think South Carolina is going to have a hard time scoring points. I think Vanderbilt's going to have a slightly less harder time scoring points. And I, I think that you put those two things together, South Carolina is going to lose like a 17, 13 game against Vandy. And that's going to be the difference in, in the season, you know? Um, so that that's kind of where I stand on that. I, you know, Clark Lee, I think is, you know, I, I really like what, what he's doing. I really like, kind of the things that he's bringing to the table. Um, I, you know, I just, I think that they need some discipline there in, in Vandy. I think they need somebody, you know, that's kind of like that James Franklin mole where he comes in, he gets stuff done, right? He comes in, gets stuff done, brings an identity, brings a, a certain level of toughness. I mean, you look at those Notre Dame defenses, they were pretty daggum good, except against Alabama, which, I mean, it's hard to be good against Alabama last year. But, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so I don't hold that against them at all. I just don't see that with South Carolina. I just don't see that with Shane Beamer. Maybe maybe I just can't see that. Maybe he'll show me. I don't know. If he does well in recruiting, maybe that'll change. Long-term, I don't know. Long-term, they're both kind of the same, but short term, I think Vanderbilt's going to have a more more successful season, however that looks, than South Carolina. But long term, that's that remains to be seen. We will definitely come back to this for sure. Uh, I'm not sure when Clark Lee is speaking at, at media days. Uh, Shane Beamer definitely. I think uh, it's Wednesday. I think it's Wednesday. Wednesday. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Beamer spoke today. Um, he spent most of the time, uh, you know, making a, a recruiting pitch to Oscar Delp, the tight end, which he needs. <laughs> um, he's going to, I mean, he really, really, really 
is going to use the tight end. Like he's really making it a point for the tight end to be the, the main playmaker of, of the offense. Like, I, I don't know, like something about it, just something about Shane Beamer to me. Um, and we, we may talk about this on SC after dark when I'm drinking, when I'm drinking my, my Sammy Adams or whatever beers I have left over in the fridge. But I, I just don't know. I, I really, really do not know. So that being said, that's how I rank them. And I can see what you're saying. I just don't agree. I think Clark Lee is, I think Clark Lee has a better pedigree than, well, not a better pedigree, but I think Clark Lee is a better coach right now than Shane Beamer. Whether that's true in five years, who knows? Shane Beamer could be Hall of Fame. You know, we could be talking about South Carolina winning a national championship in five years. Who knows? But as of right now, neither team are going to do it. And I think Vanderbilt's going to be like maybe three and nine, and South Carolina might be two and 10. Who knows? They're both bad. So, anyway, all right, let's talk about some standout players, okay? When you talk about standout players, you think of quarterbacks, right? That's the first thing you think of, quarterbacks. Everybody does. You know, it's a habit, right? So, when you look at quarterbacks, to me, it's JT, it's Connor Basilic, and then everybody else, right? Oh, then absolutely. Then any other quarterback is in the Western Division that they'll talk about yeah, on this I next mean, show. I mean, you look at it past those two guys and there is, you know, question marks as to who's going to be the quarterback. Even though Ken Seals played a good bit last year, there's no guarantee that he's going to be the quarterback at Vanderbilt. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you have the situation at Tennessee, you have a situation uh, at South Carolina, you have the situation at Kentucky, you know. Mm -hmm. And then you also have the situation at Florida. You got Emory Jones, but – you know, the sample size is there. He has played some, but he's not been the focal point. So that right. that's uh, that's a different that's a different being when you are it, it, it's on you. All eyes are on you every offensive play. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And and you know, I think when you look at that next list of quarterbacks, that's going to, you know, that's going to be a deciding factor. I think these guys have got to be impact players within their ball clubs. I think if Florida's going to have any chance, Emory Jones cannot flop. Uh, Kentucky, that's going to be, that's going to be one to, to, to notice. I, I think listening to Vinny last week, he was talking about Will Levis, the Penn State transfer being the guy. And so who knows? I, I kind of thought it was going to be Joey Gatewood personally, um, but he made a good point about Will Levis, and Will Levis knows the scheme better than any of those other t- better than any other quarterback on the roster. So that's got to count for something. I, I think once Tennessee picks the starter, their guy might their guy could possibly jump up to third on the list. You know, I, I think Harrison Bailey has the talent within this offense. He could jump up at, as a, as a true playmaker. I think whoever starts at Tennessee is going to be my dark horse. Um, as far as like uh, quarterback play in the in the SEC East, um, you know, because I think it's right now because there's nobody else. I think it's Ken Seals as your third best. Um, Luke Doty certainly isn't that. Uh, Emory Jones is is better than Luke Doty, but certainly isn't that. I don't think uh, that could change. Uh, I don't I don't know that Kentucky. I don't know that their guy can can really jump up there, but I, I think Harrison Bailey to me or Hendon hooker has a chance to push into that top three, even maybe even top two. 
Yeah, I mean, like I said, it, there is a huge drop off uh, mm-hmm. after JT Daniels. Uh, it's a huge drop off, and, and I agree. You know, uh, Connor Bazelak is the next best guy in the East, and 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 like I said, this is one of the reasons why I pick uh, Missouri to finish third is for that reason right there. That's right. They have an experienced quarterback yep. who I think. Uh, is on an upward trajectory. I I really liked what I saw from him as the year went on. Uh, He had some rough spots. I thought he played well against Tennessee, even though they got pummeled uh, by by Tennessee. But he just continued to get better, and and I really liked what I saw from him. So I I think he's a solid number two. Like I said, I'll give the notch to Emory Jones as number three just because he has some experience and he's going to have weapons around him at Florida. Then the rest of the guys, to me, you know, I know Ken Seals had a lot of time playing, but like I said, he finished – he he was on his backside so much last year. You got to wonder how much that's gotten into his head. Yeah, I don't know. There's no telling. It, it's It's odd though, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, it. you know, uh, like I said, you know, as I said about Tennessee, the East is so much more weak than the West. Uh, it is no, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can sit here and say, you know what? Ole Miss would finish third for sure. Possibly challenge Florida for second. They were in right. there. Mississippi State. I could possibly say the same thing about them. Obviously, we know about LSU. Obviously, we know about Alabama. Auburn's another one. I would say probably Auburn would also challenge for second place there. So I mean, it, the talent uh, level in the West is head and shoulders above the East. And it's right. a cyclical thing. It's not always going to be that way. It's a cyclical no. thing. And I can remember be. when it was just the opposite. Right. Absolutely. I remember it was Tennessee, Florida, and then Georgia was sneaking up there in that third spot uh, just about every year. And the West was like, you know, flip a coin, right? Yeah. But you know, like I said, it, it, it goes back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Right now, the East is down. The West is up. And that's all we need to know about that. But we are the beast of the East, so we're going to stick with it, right? Even through the hard times. So, um, still you know, some good football in the East, though. Still some don't, great football. Don't get us wrong. There will be some great football um, in the East. So, um, so those are your quarterbacks. You know, I, obviously, I think it's uh, Kevin Harris leading the way at the running back position. But then you got Zamir White, uh, James Cook. I think will be. Uh, some big playmakers there. Chris Rodriguez for Kentucky. Um, as far as that goes, Cavassier Smoke uh, definitely gets the award for coolest name um, in the conference. Any other running backs stand out to you within this division? I think Those, it's kind of a. I think it's kind yeah. of like a group of no namers. Yeah, yeah. Those were my three: uh, Zamir White, Kevin Harris. And then also Chris Rodriguez. You know, I would take Harris and White would be my first teamers on my all, all East team. Uh, after that, whoo, again, big drop off. Yeah. Uh, you know, who's it going to be? Vanderbilt, no running game. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Missouri lost Roundtree. They're they're up in the air as a running game. Of course, Tennessee lost their best running back to Oklahoma and Eric Gray. So there are a lot, and and then really look at you look at Florida. There's no proven commodity there either. I mean, you got Bernard Pierce, which I mean, you yeah. And I said this on on After Dark last week. They they should be really good as a running team at the running back position, but the offense really doesn't feed the running backs like you think it would. Like, cause I haven't like, I can't think of a, a, a stud running back that Dan Mullins had like one, like a guy that like you would say, man, he was, I'm glad he's gone. There's not one, maybe LaMichael P Ryan, but not really. Like he wasn't really a factor at Florida. He's had a better pro career, but isn't really a factor. It's kind of like what it's kind of like what Butch Jones did to Alva Camara. Like Alva Camara left, and you didn't really, you weren't really like broken up about it. And then he goes on to be one of the best in the in the entire NFL. And it's kind of that situation, right? No, I agree with you. Um, and and you know, I, I think he's going to have a quarterback in Emory Jones. You say what we will about it. That's going to be more like a Tim Tebow, a Dak Prescott that he had. Um, mm-hmm. at Mississippi State. It's going to be in that type of quarterback, which is in that offense, which is the the ideal quarterback for him. And like I said, Emory Jones is going to get a lot of carries. He's going to be running the ball quite a bit, and he's going to be probably really the bell cow, uh, not only uh, passing the ball, obviously, but also running the ball, uh, you know, and – I think he's going to lean on him heavily uh, mm-hmm. for that reason. Um, I, I just don't, like I said, they're, the running back position at Florida, does it doesn't excite me at all. I, I just don't see game breakers and guys you have to scheme for from the past. They right. are not there. Right, right, right. So let's look at the wide receivers now. Um, this is a tricky position because again, I feel like there's not like that surefire, well, that surefire name towards ACL in the spring, George Pickens. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this is another list of like overachievers, but nobody really like you're, you're looking at going, okay, that guy's going to play on Sundays and that guy's going to be drafted in the first round. Like I, I don't really see that right now. I mean, maybe there's some guys that could develop, but like you think about Cam Johnson, at Vanderbilt, like what can he do? I, I think he's somebody, um, you know, I think he's somebody that could finally uh, get in the mix and, and make a difference. I think Jermaine Burton at Georgia uh, is also somebody uh, that needs to to be able to get in the mix. Uh, Josh Ali potentially at Kentucky. He's going to have to be somebody, and they got a transfer uh, the other day that uh, that I think is pretty pretty exciting um you know anybody at tennessee that you think is 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 fits that bill well possibly you know the fact that they're gonna be tossing the ball around a good bit Corey. there'll be somebody yeah it's gonna be somebody and probably if i had to stick my finger on somebody it might be velas jones uh the usc transfer who who Came on late for Tennessee and played pretty well uh, towards the end of the year. Uh, so if I had to pinpoint somebody, it would be him. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I think you got to look also uh, at Missouri and Kiki Chisholm, who led them in receiving. Yeah, I, I really like the so, way he plays. Yeah, so uh, he's a possibility also. But again, you're, you're right. There's not a guy 
that you're going, oh, uh, yeah, th- this guy is a definite. I mean, is it is it bad as far as the conference or the division goes that your number one receiver might be a tight end that's listed as a wide receiver and Eric Gilbert? <laughs> I mean, that's that's where we're at right now. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I just think this is a league that doesn't have a lot of not a league because the, the the West has a ton of star power. I mean, you look at the preseason all conference with all the publications; it's all freaking Western Division people. It is. Right? You're right. <laughs> um, I think when you look at uh, the Gators, Jacob Copeland is, is somebody that has potential, but doesn't really stand out to me. Xavier Henderson taking over for Kyle Pitts. He's okay. Um, so looking at tight ends, um, and obviously Xavier Henderson for Florida, somebody uh, that could potentially, he's, he's intriguing. Uh, you look at Darnell Washington at Georgia, Eric Gilbert, I guess, uh, you know, you look at that Tanner Muse at South Carolina, somebody that could really help that offense, uh, go if, if Shane Beamer wants to throw that recruiting pitch at Oscar Delp. Uh, I think that Tanner Muse has got to have a great season for the Gamecocks. Um, if he wants that to happen. Um, but as far as tight ends goes, uh, that's about it to me, right? Yeah, no, I agree with you. Uh, I, I, that's about it. Um, I, nobody, nobody else stood out for me uh, as far as uh, potential uh, all East uh, tight end. Uh, you, you have named them all, and, and the two best uh, right now, if you ask me, will will be for the bull. Will be in uh, uh, Garnet and what? Excuse me. Uh, what are the official colors? Of Georgia, red and black. Oh, okay. I thought it was something fancy. Just red. No, nope, just red and black. Red, black, silver. The silver britches. Yes, that's not really an official. I was going to say red and black, but I thought I thought it was something else. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No. No. Just right. uh, yeah. Uh, they'll be yeah. in the red and black. You know, be I really in- like. I really like Gilbert a lot. I think he has yeah. a lot to bring to the table. And like, like I said, like I said earlier, I, I would be I wouldn't be surprised if uh, they don't have him split out wide and and run him run him outside some, you know, with him and Washington in the game at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're definitely going to because he's going to be listed as an X receiver. Um, so they're going to have, it's not technically going to, they're not going to have two tight ends on the field. Technically it's going to be still 11 personnel, mm-hmm. but we all know the, we all know the real facts. It's going to be 12 personnel. Let's just be honest about it. Um, but that's how they got them. Right. They said, Hey, you're going to be a receiver, not a tight end. So they said, right. he said, okay, I'm going to Georgia. He didn't, <laughs> like, he didn't like it at Florida. Apparently not. He you didn't know, stay very long. Did he didn't like it? Didn't like it at Florida. That's got to tell you something too. Um, okay, so rapid fire. Since there's not a whole lot of star power, we, we could go unit by unit, but that would get kind of boring. Um, so offensive linemen, you know, I, I think that when you look at obviously Cade Mays, Jamari Sawyer, are the two that really stand out to me. Um, there's not really anybody that jumps off the page at me. I think Georgia has the best unit overall. Uh, then you got to look at. Um, Kentucky, they returned three starters. Mm-hmm. They're looking pretty good as an offensive Menard's line. really good. Yeah. 
Devin Kennard, I think is his name, right? Darren, yeah. Darren Kennard. Mm-hmm. We have a Darion Kennard at, yeah. at Hillwood, so that always that always uh, gets me confused. Uh, look at on the defense side of the ball. Obviously, uh, the defense lineman that really stands out the most is Jordan Davis at UGA. Any other defense lineman stand out to you? Um, you know, I like the uh, you know USC uh, Kingsley uh, Inakbare uh, is another re- a good ball player, uh, good defensive lineman, and, and and another guy that I really like too on the defensive line is is Zachary Carter with Florida. I think they he's he's a really good. Uh, run stopper. He creates havoc. He's in the backfield a lot, you know, uh, led the, you know, interior. I think he led them in, in sacks as a matter of fact. Uh, so, you know, he can stop the run, rush the passer equally as well. Good linebackers. I, I think there's a ton of linebacker talent. I, I think obviously Henry two Oh two Oh would be the top of that list. However, he's in the Western division now. Uh, you know, you got to think Adam Anderson, Nicobe Dean, uh, you know, those guys at Georgia, um, you know, Florida has Brenton Cox. Uh, there's quite a bit of linebacker depth in this division. Um, who else stands out to you? You know, I also like uh, Ventrell Miller uh, for Florida. I think he's That's a really, right. That's really right. good football player. And, you know, a guy you didn't mention that I really, I, that I love for Georgia is Nolan Smith. I, I just really think he's going to have a monster year. He is super talented. Um, I, you know, uh, really after that, well, Van, the Anthony uh, Orgi is, is a good ball player also. He led them in tackles last year and is coming back. And uh, he will be the top defensive player for Vanderbilt. So, yeah. you know, after that, who knows? Yeah, it's it's a it's a mixed bag, right? And then obviously your DBs, uh, some guy named Alante Taylor. He's actually representing Tennessee at Media Days. Um, you you got to think of some of the transfers. This is this is going to be a transfer heavy position um, when you look at uh, when you look at the DBs. Obviously, with uh, Tyke Smith, Darion Kendrick coming in at Georgia. Those are two names that I think will be um, absolutely outstanding as far as that goes. You add them to Keeley Ringo and Jalen Kimber. I think you have a pretty good uh, set of defensive backs. Uh, you look at Florida, who has uh, who has my man um, Kyer. There you go. Yeah, Kyer Elam. Yeah. Um, you look at. You know, who, who I who to me is the the top, definitely the top DB in in the East. Absolutely, and then you think of uh, Enos Rakestraw over at uh, Missouri, Akeeb Evans, Ali Green, some guys that are uh, transferring into Missouri. Those guys could play up, could play a role in that defense. Um, I really like, uh, I really like some other guys too. Um, th- this is another. I mean, again, this is kind of the theme of what this division is. It's going to be a lot of guys that have a lot of promise, but we just don't know who the heck they are right now. No, you're right. And I think, you know, in, in, in the end, uh, you're going to have, uh, you're going to have a guy, uh, one of these transfers and, and more than likely it's going to be in the defensive backfield because as you said, 
Um, there's there was a lot of turnover there, a lot of new faces coming into the East. For example, mm-hmm. uh, on the transfer portal, and I wouldn't be surprised if one of those guys didn't uh, have a standout year. Yeah, like Marcellus Dial uh, at, at South Carolina. I think he's somebody at, on, in the defensive backfield that's going to be that could be really good. They got a lot of defensive transfers, so again, you never know how those are going to pan out. So it's hard to like for me when you just even look at it as a as a team as a whole. It's hard to it's hard to really really uh, project that. So I don't know. Um. Before we wrap up, Craig, any, anything else you're looking forward to in, in this in this league? Is there any names that we left off? Uh, some preseason recognition. Who's going to be coach of the year in this in this division? Uh, Clark Lee. You know, I'm going to jump out and put my orange Homer hat on and say Josh Heibel. Mm-hmm. Josh Heibel goes six and six. He better be coach of the year with that roster. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I I I can dig that. Um, I think they'll go the safe route and give it to Kirby Smart, but um, I think there'll be somebody that's more deserving, like an Eli Drinkwitz for, for finishing second in the East, or or like a Josh Heupel for you know taking that roster and actually doing something with it. And if Shane Beamer, if Shane Beamer finishes fifth, I think he should be coach of the year. I think if any one of those three new guys does anything with their rosters, they should be coach of the year. Mm-hmm. To me, um, I think. Offensive player of the year is going to be JT Daniels. Defensive player of the year could be Alante Taylor. Um, could be Jordan Davis. Uh, depends on, you know, I think Alante Taylor's, I think Alante is going to get a lot of work, a lot of opportunities. I think he'll capitalize. Um, to me, he's the Eastern Division player of the year as far as that goes. Well, you know, I, I, I kind of like, um, along, uh, you know, one guy that I think has the potential to be uh, the defensive player of the year in the East uh, is Jordan Davis. Uh, yes, that's that my other name. Yeah, he's gonna yeah. be. He's he, gonna be. Yeah, he, he, yeah. He, he definitely could. It, it to me is the leading candidate of all the all the guys we've mentioned uh, to be a possible uh, defensive player of the year in the East. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, as. As uh, SEC Media Days presses on, uh, we will have more coverage for you. Um, check us out on SEC After Dark. We'll probably have more full coverage of what's happening and the storylines coming out of Media Days. But certainly when we see you back here next week, we will definitely dive into post, uh, post-Media Day Madness, things like that, takeaways, things that we're excited about from the talking season, things that we're like, oh, no. Uh, from the talking season, things like that. So we'll continue, continue on. We may have a guest next week. We might try to work that out and try to get some uh, more extensive previewing going on uh, on on this show. Um, but as we as we press forward, I uh, just want to remind you what we are. We cover. We don't just cover football. This is also basketball. Which uh, thanks to the Milwaukee Bucks and Phoenix Sun series, I'm kind of getting back into basketball a little bit. Um, and then we'll cover some baseball as well. Uh, I think it was an exciting finish uh, in the College World Series. You had an all SEC final, which I know people are tired of hearing. <laughs> I know people are tired of seeing the SEC. I'm not. Um, and I don't think you are either. And if you're watching the show, you're probably not either. So uh, we're going to get some sponsors again. We are presented by betonline.ag. So, Craig, do you want to prime everybody's week with anything? Uh, you got the last word. 
you know, I'll be interested, you know, to see really the heavy hitters are starting to come up later on uh, this week uh, uh, at SEC Media Days. I'll be interested to see what their predictions are going to be. And then also uh, they're, they're all SEC team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you look at some of these all SEC teams, it's all like Alabama, Alabama, Mississippi State, Mississippi State, Auburn, Georgia, South Carolina, uh, Alabama, 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 Texas A&M, Texas A&M, Alabama, Alabama. You know, it's all it's all Western Division people. So, um, I'll be interested to see how close Georgia is to Alabama uh, when it comes to. Um, you know, who, who, who the SEC champion is going to be. I'll be interested to see how close that's going to be. Well, until Bama loses, people are going to be picking Bama, and I don't blame them. So, yeah, that's, that's where I stand on that. I think I think this is the year Georgia gets them. If Bama can get through Texas A&M, Auburn, Ole Miss, if they can get through, if they can get through those teams, I think they'll be, you know, I think Georgia will get them. But – they got to beat A and M. They got to beat Ole Miss. Something that Saban <laughs> Saban hasn't had a whole lot of luck against Ole Miss, but you know they should have lost that game last year. I'll say that. And LSU, but, yeah, LSU. You know they got to get through LSU. LSU's no. We talked to Brad Johnson. His son's going to be. He's going to be a dude now. Oh yeah, he's going to be a dude. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing. That transformation over there. Um, I know Ole Miss fans watching the show are probably like, no, no, LSU, get away. But no, that's just the truth, man. It's the truth. Max Johnson is good. He's good at football. Um, Ole Miss is good at football, too, thankfully, uh, for, for their sake. Matt Corral is going to be a really good quarterback, not to go into best of the West. But um, that's something that, that Jake Thomas and – you're going to have to help me out with the, with the other co-host. I'm still learning, so don't hold it against me. Um, best of the West. I will get it the next time I talk to you, but um, so um, that's going to wrap us up, Craig. We are the beast of the East, man. We're presented by BetOnline.ag. We are on the Believe Podcast Network. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere like that. You can find us right here on Willis Digital Media across all social media platforms. You can probably stream us live. Um, you can find me at Coach Burton 36, as you see above, you can also follow my Believe in Georgia Dog Show at Believe in Dogs on all social media platforms. So check us out there, me and Israel Troop. Um, and you can follow Craig at D Craig Lad. And uh, so catch us anywhere you catch us. Enjoy uh, the rest of the week. You got Beast of the You got Beast of the East on Monday nights, Best of the West on Tuesdays, SEC After Dark on Wednesdays. Uh, then you have some other uh, Ole Miss content, uh, including the Palmcast, which is the 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 number one draw on this channel uh, every day at at 10 a.m. Central Time, 11 a.m. Eastern, and uh, everything's all good, man. Check us out. We're uh, we're here, right, Craig? Absolutely. We're doing our we're, we're doing our thing, man. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun ride. I can't wait to uh, to embark on it. But this has been episode three of Beast of the East, presented by Bet Online. For Craig, I'm Corey. Thank you for watching. We'll see you back here next time. So long. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, 
Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.